Welcome to the Faith Lakeside Podcast. Each week you'll hear another great message that will help you know God and make Him known in your life. Join us each Sunday at 1045 a.m. and throughout the week in small groups to make the most of your learning experiences. Now, sit back, relax with a great cup of coffee and a notebook and enjoy this week's message. We're not quite ready to, uh, to get to the sermon, so you can leave your Bibles off to the side unless uh, our guest for the next few moments, Carrie, if, if you want to make your way up. Carrie is with uh, Choices Pregnancy Services, and uh, we're so thankful to have you here. If you want to, yeah, all the way up here. Um, nothing special about this spot other than uh, the light gets in your eyes. So this is the microphone for you. And so Carrie's going to be sharing with us, uh, you know, what better time to celebrate the beauty of birth and new life than as we celebrate our Savior, Jesus Christ. So Carrie's going to share with us a few minutes, and uh, then we'll get into to the Bible uh, this morning as well. So God bless. Good morning. It's such a joy to be here this morning. You know, originally, um, I met Ken this summer, and he asked me about coming, perhaps, and speaking with you all. And um, when it looked like that it was going to turn into December, I thought, that's kind of a bummer, you know, to come and for you because we celebrate Jesus being born and here I'm coming and talking about unplanned pregnancies and women who are considering abortion but this week I've been doing an advent study and it talked about Jesus being confined we think about his birth right we celebrate his birth at Christmas time but this advent study went even further than that and it talked about Jesus willingly being confined to the womb for nine months because he so identifies with us that he willingly sacrificed. I I mean, I can't even imagine. Can you? Um, I think about his going to the cross, but as I really contemplated that this week, it, it just humbled me and it brought me to tears, really, to think about what he did even before he was born to be confined to such a limited space, the God, the creator of all, um, to do that. So, um, Merry Christmas. (laughs) That's, you know, I think about, um, we talk about that one unplanned pregnancy who came to save the world. Not that God didn't plan him, obviously, but for Mary, That was an unexpected interruption in a teenage life, wasn't it? And and those are the women that we are seeing on a daily basis. Women who aren't thinking that they're going to be pregnant. Men who aren't thinking that they're going to be fathers. And um, that's what we're all about. So Choices Pregnancy Services, let me tell you just a little bit about who we are and what we do and then how you can get involved. So who we are, um, we've been around for 35 years. This is our 35th anniversary. And 35 years ago, there was a group of young women who had just had babies, and they were meeting together in a Bible study, and they began to talk about the issue of abortion and what could they, as young moms, do to help other women. And so they began praying and thinking And the Lord led them to open what was then the Airport Area Crisis Pregnancy Center. And today we're known as Choices Pregnancy Services because we have outgrown the airport area. We are um, in three different locations, plus we have two mobile clinics. 
So we are currently, our headquarters is located in Coriopolis, and then um, we have a center in Pittsburgh, we have a center in Beaver County, and we have two mobile clinics that travel in a wide variety of areas. Our first one was started in 2010, almost 13 years ago. So we're sort of a pioneer when it comes to mobile medical ministry. And we go to some of the really difficult parts of, of Pittsburgh, and we meet women where they're at. Um, and then a few years ago, we were blessed with another mobile, and so we took that to Beaver County. And um, I have some people on my board from, who are from this area, and they keep saying, let's take it over to Washington County. So you can pray about that with us because we'd love to be able to do that. It all takes a lot of um, staffing and a lot of money to do something like that. But really, we will go and meet women wherever they are if, if they are calling us and saying they need help. Um, but I'll get back to. So those are where our locations are, how long we've been operating. But our prayer every day is to reach women who are in unplanned pregnancies. And our prayer is for the next person who walks through our doors. Um, because most of the women, the men that come to us, are in that undecided or abortion-determined um, stage in their early pregnancy and they're calling us, they're walking through our doors in order to, um, what they think is to get rid of a problem. And our job is to really open up um, their thinking. You know, when you're in a crisis, what do you think about? All you think about is that crisis, right? That trouble, that problem that you're experiencing. So our job is sort of to open that up and to really hear what they have to say Many of the women and men that come into our centers say that this is the first, you're the first people that really listen to me. Um, and they need to hear that. They need to have somebody listen to their situation, to hear their heart, and then um, to help them understand there's, there's hope. There's hope beyond that immediate situation that they're feeling so desperate about. Um, our culture says if you're in a problem pregnancy, just get rid of the baby. And that breaks my heart because we know how precious life is. And so we're there to help them understand that. We're here there not to tell them what to do, but like I said, to listen and then provide the options for them so that they could choose life for their babies. And then we don't just care about them, to, you know, when, when they make that choice. And um, sometimes the publicity that's out there today says, you pro-life people, you just care about them these women until they make that choice for birth and then you you forget about them and that's just not true because of people like you we are able to provide services all the way through their pregnancy we have a wonderful program called parent university and um, we educate them on what's going on in their pregnancy we educate them on how to take care of a baby we educate them on relationships um, there are so many different things that we go through and every time they come into that parent university, we are able to provide things that they're going to need for their baby after the baby's born. So they come to parent university to learn, but they're also equipped to provide for their baby when the baby's born with all kinds of, um, like I said, just think of all the things a new baby needs. And um, we're able to provide clothing and supplies and cribs and strollers, you name it, car seats, those kind of things. <clears throat> 
But before they get to that point, um, when they're still making that decision, what am I going to do with this, with this pregnancy? And so many women who call us, I would say about 90% are considering abortion. So we want to, like I said, listen to them, go through their options with them, and then we offer free medical services. We do a free pregnancy test, and it's different than the kind you can buy in the dollar store. It's a lab-grade pregnancy test. And then when that test is positive, we will offer them a sonogram. And all of this is free of charge. Everything we do is, is free. And um, so when they see that little baby on that ultrasound screen, how many in, in here have seen or experienced an ultrasound, a sonogram? Okay, quite a few of you. So you know what that's like. And sometimes... They've been told it's just, it's not really formed, it's not anything. But at six weeks, look at your little pinky. Um, that's about the size of a six-week-old baby, just this tip of it right here. We can see a beating heart. And that's amazing because there's activity going on there. As it, every week past six weeks, you can see little arm and leg buds. You can see at eight weeks that baby moving around. At nine weeks, sometimes that baby will wave to its mom. And, um, and that's just awesome. And they're blown away by that. You know, their, their resolution to get rid of this problem turns into, I'm seeing my baby for the first time. And I had no idea my baby was so well-formed. Sometimes women don't know exactly how far along they are. And um, I think of a woman that we saw just this um, not too long ago who had been to Planned Parenthood, and they told her she, she had an appointment that day for an abortion. And they told her that she was too far along for what she could pay. So abortion costs determine, are determined by how far along a woman is. And so she didn't know what that meant. Um, normally, they don't show ultrasound pictures in Planned Parenthood, but she said, I want to see how far along I am. Well, what they did was they showed her the top of the baby's skull, and they said, you see, it's not really formed. It's not, there's not much there. And, and when you look at the top of the skull, that would be like somebody looking down on you at the top of your head and not seeing anything else, and you go, well, that doesn't look like much, right? So she called us, and we always explain very clearly that we don't do abortions, we don't refer for abortions, but we explain why it's beneficial for them to come in. And so when she came in to us, she had been, um, we'd given her that information, but we did the ultrasound, and there she was pregnant with a 17-week-old baby. That's into, the that's into the second trimester. And that baby's perfectly formed. It was moving around. Her eyes popped open. She started to cry. And she said, but they said there wasn't, my baby wasn't formed. And so we were explained to say, to explaining to her, well, this is, you know, you can see for yourself, this is your baby. Well, even though at that point she was so abortion determined, she says, I'm going to have to think about this. But that image of that baby, and of course we give, you know, the pictures that go along with that, she changed her mind. And, um, and we invited her to come back for Parent University, and she was able to get everything that she needed not only that, but she meets one-on-one -on -one with a client advocate who forms a relationship with her and talks to her about 
about Jesus. We encourage um, every time when somebody comes into our center, we ask them what kind of needs they have. Can we pray for you? And a lot of times they'll look at us like, you're going to pray for me? But very rarely does anybody turn down prayer. And so we continue that as they're going through their pregnancy. And so that's a little bit about who we are and what we do. And, um, you know, the fact is, is that God uses um, our center and, and centers like us to reveal life in the womb. And, um, and that is amazing when you think about how that wasn't always available. But there is such a change when women actually and their, and their, their, their spouses or their partners or their moms or their dads come with them and they see that little baby in the womb that those who were really um, determined to have an abortion, we see 79% of those change their mind. So we just praise God for the capabilities that we have. Um, everybody who is part of our center is um, signs a statement of faith. Um, they, we want not only for them to hear about physical life, but we want to hear them, have them hear about eternal life as well. Because we believe in um, that God has pro-abundant life for all of us, and we want to share that good news with them. So it's, it's a wonderful opportunity to reach people who aren't going to walk through the doors usually of a church. But then we try to get them plugged into a church because we want to see them grow spiritually. We want to see them be nurtured in their faith. And so that's where church partnerships um, come into play. And we're, um, that's why I'm excited to be here today because... Um, hopefully we can join together in praying. Um, these are the things that you can do. We can pray, and we have a prayer email that I send out most Fridays, and it talks about the urgent situations that we're praying for. Um, we have um, churches that partner with us in, um, you know, providing volunteers. Our, our base of volunteers, our staff, come from churches, and so we have a lot of needs um, to continue to grow and to help women and men in, in all the things that we do. And then the last thing is that we can give. Um, all of our services, I always say, are free, but they don't come without a cost. And to provide medical services the way we do, to provide those mobile um, clinics to go out into the neighboring areas, to provide um, all the things that we do, it, it, it comes with a cost. And so... I would encourage you, if you're interested in this, if God's putting something on your heart, um, there's a sign-up sheet out in the back. You can get more information, or if you want to sign up for the prayer email, um, I would encourage you to do that. We see God change hearts, um, not through because of what who we are, but because of who he is, and that he is the one that can really make a difference in people's lives. Um, I don't know if we have enough time. Okay. Um, but I, I have a little video. This was just recently shot or done for our banquet that we had in November. Um, and so this is a woman that this year chose life for her baby. And she's giving her experience talking about that. But because it's also 35 years of our ministry existing, at the end you will see other women who have also said yes to life and have um, 
chosen that chosen I can't talk chosen that um, for their babies. So um, I encourage you in this time of Christmas, when we're thinking about Jesus being born, um, think about women and men who are going through these difficult times in their lives, as well as those who have made the decision to have an abortion in the past. Um, Just recently, we had a young woman who came in. She was really being pressured by her family to abort, specifically by her mom. And... um, and she chose life for her baby, but when she chose life, she brought her mom in, and her mom got to see that ultrasound as well. And then her mom looked at our sonographer, told her, and she said, you know what? My first baby I, abort- I aborted. How long have you guys been around? And when she told her 35 years, she, she cried. She said, I wish I would have known about this place when I was pregnant. So we know that God forgives, and we invited her to come to our Healing Choices Bible study that talks about the forgiveness that God has and how they can learn to forgive themselves as well. So, you know, I want you to know that from the very beginning, um, through the pregnancy and through after, we are there to help women and men who are going through difficult decisions, and ultimately, we want to share Christ with them. So thank you, and God bless you, and we'll just watch this little video. And if you have questions afterwards, I'll be around. You can come and ask me and talk to me. Oh, and I want to say, your wife, yeah, thank you for sharing Philippians 4. I don't know why that has come up this week, like, numerous times. And I've just been sharing that with a couple of of people, including my my son, just recently. Um, So when you read that this morning, I just felt a hug from the Lord. And so thank you for sharing that again. (laughs) Okay. That's awesome. Thank you, Carrie, for for coming and and sharing with us this opportunity to to give, to serve, to pray. And I encourage everybody to take advantage, to sign up for the prayer list at the very least, because our prayers are powerful and effective. But if if you have an opportunity to give this Christmas season, maybe wives, like, don't give your husband something and just go ahead and donate that to Choices. Um, I mean, or... Well, husbands, still give your wife something, but you could, you could give a little extra, too, in honor of them, especially if you know that they've suffered through uh, difficult choices in the past of, or miscarriages or an abortion, just, just to know that this, this is something that could be uh, meaningful to them for you to give in support of uh, others being able to uh, pursue the choice of life. So thank you so much once again, and I look forward to seeing how our church might get involved. Our, our goal this year, and as elders, we've talked about things, is we really want to see our church uh, reaching out, doing, and, and belonging, and taking hold of ministry outside of our four walls. So uh, this is a great opportunity for all of us uh, to, to be able to do so. A couple quick announcements as we continue our sermon series here in just a moment. Um, youth, you guys have got your retreat coming up this coming weekend, so if you're in uh, 7th through 12th grade, be sure to check in with the leaders We are still in our uh, Lottie Moon Christmas offering season, so if you have been uh, wanting to help support world missions, you can, of course, give a little bit extra to our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Envelopes are in the back, 
and you can grab one of those and just deposit it in and we'll get that sent off. Or if you want to support our own mission that we are, uh, you know, taking ownership with and partnering with uh, Pastor Steve there in India at Faith Community Church in Gora. Sorry, that, that logo doesn't turn up so good on the black background. But uh, just consider how, how you might invest yourself this Christmas season beyond just giving and uh, like gifts. But how can we give to support the kingdom through organizations like Choices, through Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, or through giving a little bit extra to support Faith Community Church in Gura. Um, Christmas Eve service. Everybody needs to put it on your calendar. We're going to be at 5 p.m. this year, uh, a little earlier than we have been in the past. Uh, we're trying to find that balance between uh, getting everybody here and spending some time together, but getting you out for dinner or getting, you know, whatever. Uh, and we know we won't make everybody happy and we can't meet everybody's schedule, but come and spend some time. We'll do our carols. We'll do candlelight and communion together. And then Christmas Day, we've moved everything up so that we can uh, still have our afternoons. And I heard uh, from another pastor this week, he said, as Christians... And and this is going to be a little pointed, and so please receive it with love. As Christians, we should be willing to forego Christmas instead of missing our Sunday services. Because Sunday services are actually commanded to us, gathering together are commanded us in Scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. However, Christmas is another holiday that we've added to the mix that is not mandated in scripture. So if you're going to forego one or the other, you really should forego Christmas in order to be here on Sunday morning. Now, that was just my little plug. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel like it's your salvation. But consider, one of those practices is scripturally mandated, and one of them is something we've added to our faith to enrich it. Which might you consider to be the most important? So we'll have breakfast for you at 9 a.m., the gathering early at 9.45, so we can, we can worship together and then dismiss for the rest of our day. If you come in your pajamas, as long as they're church-appropriate, that's fine. Uh, if, if you sleep in inappropriate wear, consider a robe or something, at least, right? Uh, and big fluffy slippers. But, but just come dressed appropriately for church in the sense of modesty. And we will be happy to have you here. We're going to have a great breakfast, about a 45-minute service, and we'll be out of here uh, no later than, a, than about 1045. So just, just want to encourage you to come and join in with us on Christmas Day. We are, are going to continue to look at the story of glory and redemption, how God reveals himself to us in the Old Testament, but also how the Old Testament in all of its story points us to the coming Christ, the glory of God revealed in the person of Jesus Christ and that redemption that he brings to us. And so last week we we looked at, uh, or two weeks ago, we looked at the the hope that God has has consistently uh, revealed to his people and has made it possible for us and and, and all who would listen to, to find hope in this world. Even when it feels like he's silent, the promises are sure. And then last week, we talked about the love of God revealed to us in the prophet Jesus, how he came to speak to us the, the unending, undying, unconditional love of God. And, and really, Jesus was that last prophetic word of the Father when he came and he revealed to us how we might be saved. So we, we, we know that scripture has told us that, that this Messiah, this Christ, this one that the Old Testament promises 
that he'll be a man who will uh, defeat sin and evil. We see that promise in Genesis 3.15, and and it's revealed to us that it's fulfilled. Galatians 1, uh, verses 3 and 4, Paul tells us that Jesus has defeated evil and sin. And we're told he'll descend from Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. And Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, that very beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, he says he's a descendant of Abraham, this Jesus who has come. Last week we discussed how he'd be a a prophet like Moses. That's a promise, a a prophecy from Deuteronomy 18.15. And Hebrews 1 verses 1 and 2 reveal to us that Jesus, though God had spoken to us through prophets in the Old Testament for many hundreds of years, that Jesus is that final prophet, that final word of God, God himself coming to speak to us. And so we, we, we now talk uh, today, when we talk about Jesus is a priest greater than Eli. First Samuel 2.35, we see that promise that Eli, that failed priest at the end of the time of the judges and just before King Saul and King David, God tells Eli, there is a priest greater than you coming, one who will serve me faithfully, one who will uh, make his people holy. And so today we're going to talk about that promise. And we got to kind of go back, though, into the Old Testament and think again about why a priest is necessary. Now, Jesus, he is, he is to be our prophet, or he is our prophet, and he is our priest. But why is a priest necessary? And we got to go back to Genesis chapter 3. And what happens in Genesis 3? Anybody remember? Okay, some of you are shaking your head, but nobody's yelling at me. Uh, it's the fall, right? It's when Adam and Eve, they choose to rebel against God. They reject him. They begin a war with God, if you will, by rebelling against his authority, by disobeying his word, by bringing upon themselves and all of their, their coming children the, uh, the wrath of God and the consequences of sin and the sin nature. And so we see there is a need for someone to make peace with God. Because we all are born in a natural state of rebelling against God, of, of desiring our own way, of trying to tell God who's in charge, and it's, it's not him in most of our hearts and minds. And so we have a need for a priest. And, and the Old Testament priest, his job was really at any given time to help someone make peace with God. And, and to help you understand that is that every act of sin is a, is a, a skirmish, a battle in, in mankind's war with God. And every act of sin deserves punishment, deserves his wrath, deserves him coming down and wiping us out as we rebel against him. And the priests of the Old Testament... Their job was for every act of sin that was acknowledged, they were to help that individual make peace with God and say, I'm I'm sorry, I I declare what I've done to be wrong, my rebellion to be wrong, and so I'd like to be at peace with you, God. And and so we have these, these priests that God gives mankind in the Old Testament. And these priests, God had some pretty strict standards for the priests in the Old Testament. If you remember, we've, we've talked about all this. So all this is review. So all of you should just be going, uh-huh, I know this. Would you move on? So uh, all this is review that God had really strict standards for the men who were to serve as priests, the peacemakers, if you will. And, and so they, they were men who had to remain pure. If we were to look back in Leviticus uh, chapters 10 and 21 and 22, they reveal exactly what was needed for a priest to do, how he was supposed to live, behave. Um, we even have things like 
priests were not allowed to attend funerals except for immediate family members. They, they could only marry certain, certain women. It had to be uh, w- without blemish, essentially. A priest had to, had to marry someone specific. They, they had rules for grooming. They, they, they had to have their beards a certain way, their hair cut a certain way. And some of you were like, amen. Uh, you know, pastors should only, you know, have beards that are this long and hair that that's long. Or I actually knew uh, early in church there were Baptists who believed if you had a beard or a mustache you were probably satanic. And so, um, but that was the old days, and we all know that Satan doesn't live in facial hair, so we're good to go, right? But, but, but you, you, they, there were specific standards. Uh, they, they actually, there's a law there in Leviticus 21 and 22 that says if a priest's daughter is promiscuous, that she has to be killed because he's a priest. It, it, I mean, it's just, it, and, and he has to cut himself off from her. It, there were strict standards for their physical state. A priest could not have a physical deformity. And so any man who was born into the right family, if they had a physical deformity, they could not be a priest. They, they, requirements for what foods they could eat and how they were to eat foods that were brought to them. And, and they had to continually be willing to make sacrifices for their own personal sin. And so a priest not only had to live rightly in his day-to-day life, as far as his clothing and his relationships and his food and how he groomed and and how his family members lived. But he also had to be keenly aware of his own sinfulness and be regularly making sacrifices for those sins that created enmity or uh, disharmony between he and God. And and here's what God's word says, a couple of verses. Leviticus 22.9, God says this of priests, they must keep my instruction or they will be guilty and die because they profane it. I am the Lord who sets them apart. God's standard was, for, for priests was so specific that God says that he himself would kill them if they did not live by his standards. And so we see that the role of priest in the Old Testament, as we've looked back through it and we've learned how God has, has, has used the Old Testament in his teachings, that the role of a priest is very specific, very intense, and had high requirements. And here's what they had to do in order to help make peace. They had to offer the required sacrifices on behalf of themselves and others, including specific ones for sin. Here, here's what... God's word says about priests in Leviticus chapter 5 and chapter 6 that in this way, in, order, in other words, in presenting sacrifices, animal sacrifices, the priest will make atonement or payment for sin on his behalf, behalf of the person who brings the sacrifice concerning the sin he has committed in any of these cases and he will be forgiven. Says it again in chapter 6. In this way, the priest will make atonement on his behalf before the Lord, and he will be forgiven for anything he may have done to incur guilt. So we can see, uh, Jay, your series going off. Um, we can see that God has, has given priests a specific job to make peace with himself on behalf of others that, that uh, they do through these sacrifices. And when we look at Old Testament sacrifices, it's not a simple thing. A lot of us are thinking, oh, Lord, I'd just like to offer up a sacrifice of praise. We've been to, you know, to that kind of, of service. And, and a sacrifice of praise is completely relevant in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, 
Sacrifices were much different. We have these, these uh, four different times and, and types of sacrifices. There was the burnt offering. There was the guilt offering. There was the sin offering. And then there was the day of atonement. And all of these sacrifices had to be made the first three on a regular basis every time you became aware of a sin against God or against someone else or against God's temple and standards. Now, think about this. Think about this. If you have to sacrifice an animal every time you realize that you've sinned against God, someone else, or God's standards, how many animals are you killing? A lot of dead animals, huh? And so there, there would be these regular sacrifices, and the animal is given to cleanse. There should be an E on the end of that. Uh, just for all of you grammar and spelling nerds, there should be an E on the end of that. So animal was given to cleanse from sin and guilt and make atonement for sin. In other words, it was, it was paying the price for that sin in order that the person might be forgiven and be at peace with God. Doesn't that sound good? I mean, that, that makes an animal's death kind of worth it. Uh, that, that we could be at peace with God through these animal sacrifices in the Old Testament. But it's important to understand and remember that an animal sacrifice and Old Testament sacrifices, they were to be a regular occurrence in the life of a faithful person. And they would be bloody because you actually had to kill your own animal sacrifice. And they would be costly because you were supposed to give the very best of your animals in sacrifice for sin and to honor God. And so when we look at the Old Testament, we look at the role of a priest, this peacemaker, and we look at the role of the sacrifice, bloody and regular and of great cost, we begin to see what it takes to be at peace with God. That it is not some simple thing. It is not so, oh, sorry, I'll try and do better. You don't just get to send flowers and pretend like everything's okay. Instead, it is regular and bloody and costly. And the person who does it on your behalf, who offers up this sacrifice on your behalf, has to have lived a life worthy of doing so. And I think that those of you who, who are paying attention and thinking about this, you can very quickly begin to put together why this is relevant to Christmas. Why this is relevant to the, the good news of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because when we have this promise that Jesus is going to be a priest greater than any Old Testament priest, when we have this promise, we begin to think, but wait a minute, I don't remember reading anywhere in the New Testament where Jesus just kills animals. You're right. Let's see what this means for Jesus and for us. So when we look at Jesus as priest, it's important for us to understand something about Jesus as a priest better than any Old Testament priest. That Jesus is himself sinless and pure as a priest. That when Jesus came to this earth, he did not, like other priests of the Old Testament era, ever struggle with sin in the sense of giving into it. He had no sin nature. This is the importance of the virgin birth. It, it, it tells us explicitly that Jesus, being born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, that he himself was born without a sin nature. He himself was born at peace with the Father, which makes sense since he's the Son, the second person of the Trinity. 
And so Jesus, in the womb, from the very beginning, was without the sin and the brokenness that has tainted the rest of us and made it necessary for us to make sacrifices for sin and rebellion against God. So Jesus is sinless and pure. In Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23 through 27, it says this, Now many have become Levitical priests since they are prevented by death from remaining in office. Now that's a funny little little thing that the writer of Hebrews says. He says, we've had lots of priests as given to us by the Old Testament because they keep dying on us. Uh, and, and every time a priest dies, we got to get a new one. So there have been lots of Old Testament Levitical priests, and it keeps happening that we need more because they keep dying. But because he remains forever, speaking of Jesus, because he remains forever, he holds his priesthood permanently. Now, there's already one way that Jesus is a better priest than any priest in the Old Testament. He won't die He will be forever. And he keeps his role as priest permanently. We know our priest personally because he's always been the same priest. We're never going to all of a sudden walk into church one day and there's going to be a new Jesus. He is the priest who has always been and will always be. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. uh, Since he always lives to intercede for them. And then it goes on to say this about Jesus. For this is the kind of high priest we need. Holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He doesn't need to offer sacrifices every day as high priests do. First for their own sin, then for those of the people. The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus has always been a perfect priest, not needing to offer sacrifices for his own sin because he himself is sinless. All the other priests in the Old Testament, the first thing they needed to do before they could offer a sacrifice for your sin, they had to offer a sacrifice to cleanse themselves of sin. But this Jesus, who's been given to us, the the only begotten Son of God, born of a virgin, living a perfect sinless life, He is without sin. And so He is a perfect priest on our behalf. And so we can celebrate this sinless and pure priest who was sent to us on that day 2,000 years ago because he is perfect. And not only is he sinless and pure, but he also has taken the time to offer the required sacrifice for sin. Now, some of you are wondering, wait a minute, I, I don't ever remember the Bible telling us that Jesus went into the temple or he went to the, the altar and he started slaughtering cows and slaughtering sheep for all of us. No, we're going to see, and, and all of you, you already know the end of this, right? This story has already been spoiled. You know that he offers the, the required sacrifice for sin as priest. And then we're going to talk about what that sacrifice is here in a moment. But... At the end of that last passage, Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23 through 27, it says this. He did this once for all time when he offered himself. He offered the perfect sacrifice for sin once for everyone. As the perfect sinless priest on our behalf, the one who would make peace with the Father for us. He offered the perfect sacrifice and that perfect sacrifice was himself. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands, only a model of the true one. 
but he went into heaven itself so that he might now appear in the presence of God for us. He did not uh, do this to offer himself many times as the high priest enters the sanctuary yearly with the blood of another. Otherwise, he would have to suffer many times since the foundation of the world. But now he has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. You see, not only is Jesus the perfect priest who offers the sacrifice for sin, but he is also the perfect sacrifice itself. And this is huge because what we have now is we've moved from a place where a man who is like us and struggles with sin and has foibles and has to find forgiveness for his own sin in the blood of animals. We've moved from that person being the one who makes peace with God for us and on our behalf to a perfect, sinless priest who offers a perfect, one-time-for-all-sin sacrifice for all who would believe on him. And so he becomes the perfect peacemaker for us. Matthew chapter 20, verses, or verse 28, Jesus himself says this, Just as, as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life, as a ransom for many. Jesus knew his whole time on earth. He understood. We see it throughout his ministry. He knows he has come not just to teach people how to be good, not just to be a good example for us, not to be a political warrior, but instead to give himself as a sacrifice for sin, to to ransom us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, to pay our sin debt and restore us. To peace with God. For even the Son of Man in Mark 10.45, he says it again in a different circumstance. He didn't come just to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Isaiah chapter 53 verses 4 through 6 prophesies this truth. Yet he himself bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains. In other words, he came, he identified with us. He knows what it is to be human. He's experienced this frail flesh. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity, for the sinfulness For the rebellion of us all. You see, he purchased peace on our behalf by his perfect and sinless life. So that he might be our perfect and sinless priest forever. And the perfect sinless sacrifice for your sin and mine. One time for all. It goes on in, in John, the, 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 uh, John the Baptizer. He wasn't John the Baptist because there weren't any Baptists then. But he's John the Baptizer. He baptizes people. John the Baptizer sees Jesus coming toward him and says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, why would John call Jesus a lamb? What's significant about a lamb? Lambs in that era, they live just to die for the sake of sin. And Jesus lived to die 
to take away your sin and mine. To bring peace with the Father through His perfect sinless life and priesthood and sacrifice. 1 Corinthians 15.3, the Apostle Paul writes this, I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. He is the perfect priest. He is the perfect sacrifice. And He does it all that we might live at peace with the Father when we believe on Him as our Lord and Savior. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He, the Father, made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us. So that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. The Father poured out on the Son all of the wrath, all of the judgment, all of the condemnation for sin that rightly belongs to us. He is the sacrifice on our behalf. That we might know and become the righteousness of God and be made at peace with the Father. By this, we have been sanctified. How is it that we're washed? How is it that we're made holy? Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. The perfect priest offered up the perfect sacrifice so that we could be made holy. And he did it once, and that's all that was necessary, so that everyone who might believe on him would be saved, that their sins would be forgiven, that they would be at peace with the Father. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. How do we receive this sacrifice? How do we apply the blood of the precious lamb who's perfect to our own life? By believing on him as Lord and Savior. And in so doing, understanding that we are now at peace with God and have re been redeemed from our empty way of life. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. He did not commit sin, speaking of Jesus, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself, Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Jesus died for you. Now, we say that so much in our Christian context. We say it so much in church. God loves you and Christ died for your sins. But I want you to understand when we have the whole Old Testament context, when we see this big picture plan of God, he always in the Old Testament wanted his people to understand sin costs dearly. And for peace with God to be established after the rebellion of sin, someone or something must die. And if it's just an animal, because that can't wash away sin forever, it's going to be animal after animal after animal after animal. And it's going to cost you and it's going to be bloody. And so he sent his son Jesus 
the perfect priest who was the perfect sacrifice, who gave an immeasurably valuable sacrifice on our behalf, once for everyone who would believe, so that we could be at peace with the Father and be redeemed from our sinful lives and be made righteous in God's eyes. You know that He was revealed so that He might take away sins. And there is no sin in him. He wants to take away everything that ties you down, that burdens you, that keeps you from the Father. And he wants to remove it from your life because he's already paid for it. He's already taken the consequences for it. And he was able to do that because there was no sin in him. So that everyone who might believe can be saved. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. You see, when we see that word reconciling, what does it mean? Well, it it means to make peace with, doesn't it? When we see Jesus, we understand it wasn't that that we said, Oh, I understand that I'm, I'm rebellious and I need to make peace with you, God. It was that God himself looked down on us and loved us and said, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to do the hard work. I'm going to be the peacemaker on your behalf. Do Do you understand how much it is that he loves you? It'd be like your children, they disobey, they, they, they rebel against you, they don't clean their room for six months straight. That, that was like my kids all over the time. And, and instead of God walking in and going, judgment, oh, take away everything, he comes in and he cleans the room and he keeps doing it every day and makes peace and then keeps it clean and makes it right. I was not the kind of dad who could do that, was I? Oh, I'm so sorry. I'd like to apologize officially to my children about cleaning their rooms and the issues that we had. Um, uh, Dads, be careful. It's easy to get over the top when it comes to cleaning rooms. Uh, Maybe moms too. I just, I can only speak as a father. But, but God himself, the the one that we rebelled against, the one we, we made the room a mess and we refused to clean it up. He came and he made it right. And then he keeps making it right. And he reconciles things with us. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, there's a little bit more to do, but I'm leaving it to you guys. You can get it done. No. When Jesus died on the cross, peace with God for all those who would believe was a done deal. It is finished. This statement is a statement that's a really uh, one that's bound up in the Greek in a, 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 a picture of a contract that's been completed and fulfilled. Have you ever paid something off and it's done? And you're just like, that was the last payment. We're done. It's over. That's the same concept to this word. It's a single word or it is finished. The payment is complete. The contract is fulfilled. There's nothing more to be done. There is now peace and freedom for all who will believe. And in fact, Jesus knew it was done because he bows his head and he gives up his spirit. And he dies there on the cross for your sins and mine. Because peace with the Father had been made for all those who would believe. He was the perfect priest who made the perfect sacrifice 
so that you could find peace with the Father if you would receive him as your Lord and Savior. And so today, we celebrate the the third Sunday of Advent, and we celebrate the peace that comes to us through Jesus Christ. His life, his very birth was a, a declaration that God was ready for peace with mankind, and God was going to provide the way. And so when the angels cry out, you know, that, that, that peace for all who would believe was coming, it was peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ because he provided the perfect priest who made the perfect sacrifice. And this priest of peace has come and made peace with the Father on the behalf of everyone who would believe. How do we, how do we know this was the, the only means of peace with God? How do, how do we know that Jesus' priesthood and sacrifice is the only way to actually be at peace with the Father? Because we know that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was the only way that salvation could be purchased. The only way that this peace could be achieved. You, you guys realize that three times, three different times in Matthew chapter 26, verses 39, 42, and 44, Jesus, the night before he's crucified, he prays to the Father, if it's possible... Let this cup pass from me. In other words, can you make it to where I don't have to do this, Father? Yet not as I will, but as you will. A second time, he prays, My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. He went and then prayed a third time, and he said the same thing once more. Now, Jesus prays, the Son prays to the Father and says, If there's any other way to accomplish peace with you and salvation for mankind... Can we do it that way instead? Now, nowhere in Scripture do we see, and the Father spoke from heaven, it's this way. No, we don't see that. But how do we know what the Father's will was? The very next day, He's crucified for your sins and mine. Jesus' prayer was answered. Jesus' prayer here, Father, if there's any other way, can we do it that way? It's answered. And do you know what the Father says to the Son? There is no other way. And so when we look at what transpires, if we believe God's word to be true, as we see this unfold, then we have to understand the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the peace that he offers, is the only way to find peace with God. It's the only way to find genuine salvation is through Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. Here's what Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14 tells us about this sacrifice. Every priest stands day after day, ministering and offering the same sacrifices, time after time, which can never take away sins. In other words, all of our good works as fallen, broken people can never make up for our rebellion against God. But this man, Jesus, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Now, why is it significant that it says he sat down? Because earlier here it says, every priest stands day after day, ministering and offering the same sacrifices that time after time, which can never take away sin. The priests of the Old Testament stand day after day, offering the same thing. Jesus makes one sacrifice. The perfect priest makes the perfect sacrifice. And then what does he do? He sits down. Why do you sit down? Because you're done. It was the perfect sacrifice. He's now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are sanctified or being 
made holy. Remember, we have these promises from the Old Testament that are fulfilled in Jesus the Christ. For a child will be born for us, a, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. And so I encourage you today to understand the Old Testament, it is not just there to give us some fun stories. It sets the stage for the Messiah from the very beginning. We rebelled against God, but he loved us so much that instead of leaving us in the deserved punishment for that rebellion, he sent his son, Jesus the Christ, who was a perfect priest, sinless. And not only that, he was also the perfect sacrifice sinless, without blemish, and his one-time offering of himself on our behalf and his resurrection from the dead proves that he really is all of these things, a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an eternal father, and the prince, the priest who brings peace to all who would believe. If you're struggling today, if you find yourself at odds with God, you find yourself battling and feeling like there is nothing that I would want more than peace, then I want to encourage you to come to Christ, whether it's for the first time or the first time today where you're turning things over to him once again. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never allowed his sacrifice for sin to be applied to your life, I want to encourage you to talk to someone today, to grab somebody in the room who looks like they're knowledgeable. Gray hairs can be helpful, uh, but that doesn't always, it's not always a sign. Uh, but, but grab somebody and talk. What does it mean to be saved? How can I make Jesus my king? How can I receive that peace with God? And others of you, you you know you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you're still battling God in certain areas of your life. I want to encourage you to submit those areas to him. Find the peace that is yours. It's been paid for. It's purchased. That one sacrifice for all time, it's good enough. The manger is has led us to the cross, which brings us to church today and rejoicing in this Savior that's been given to us. Would you turn over that area of your life to your Prince of Peace, your Priest of Peace today, and find peace in all that you are and do? Today, let's remember the hope and the love and the peace that are revealed to us through the Christ child, the one that was conceived of the Virgin Mary, an unexpected pregnancy, a a life that, that was a gift from God, quite literally, as all lives are, and, and set the stage for us to be at peace with the father and find forgiveness from sin and new lives of abundance and joy. Would you join me in a word of prayer as our worship team finds their way forward? Father God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for, for all that you've blessed us with. We thank you that, that Mary was a willing vessel for your son, who would be our priest of peace, who would live a perfect and sinless life and give himself on our behalf. He would be both the priest and the sacrifice. And so this Christmas season, we thank you for such a glorious gift. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for your willingness to experience time in the womb, to grow up through childhood and adolescence and young adulthood, to experience life even as we experience it, yet without sin. And we're so thankful that you walked through all of those things 
and then gave yourself as the perfect sacrifice, our perfect priest, the one who brings peace with the Father for all who would believe. Help us to believe in you wholeheartedly this Christmas season, to know your peace, to celebrate your love, to rejoice in the hope that you give us in all things. And so may every moment of this Advent and Christmas season be about you. Thank you for the peace you bring. And it's in your name we pray this morning. Amen. Let's close with our last song. I think it's Noel, right? Yeah. Do you guys know what Noel means? It's really simple. Born. Born! Jesus is born. What a beautiful gift birth is. And the new life that comes through Jesus Christ. Let's stand and sing.
And that king is our that king is our priest of peace for all who would believe. And so I encourage you this Christmas season to be believing on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you have questions about how to get connected or do uh, with uh, choices, please be sure and check in with Carrie. Sign up for the prayer list and, and uh, consider other ways you might serve this Christmas season through choices or uh, international missions giving or through giving to Faith Gura or even just maybe committing yourself to being even more dedicated to the church this coming year. So God bless you all. Have a great week. If you need anything, always know that Shelly and I are available. And uh, for those of you who made it, I know Shelly said it, but those of you who made it to the open house, glad you did. Those of you who did not, consider next year coming and joining us. I don't know that I'll do brisket. Maybe I'll do, I don't know, ribs. That'd be fun. Uh, so just, just know that, that uh, it's not about the food as much as it's about the fellowship. So uh, please uh, consider how you can get connected to the church family even more. So God bless you guys. Have a great weekend. We'll see you throughout the weekend next Sunday. Oh, oh, well, give me, give me my record. Yeah, uh, we do have, there's a few announcements or a few uh, invitation cards. If you got somebody you invite to Christmas Eve or Christmas services, they're on the table in the back. So just look for those. Just a little postcard size to hand to folks if you want to invite them to church.